These are not classics, but maybe someday they will be. Probably not. Well, maybe one of them. I don't know. We're doing modern movies this week. That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched The Suicide Squad and The Green Knight. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time normally and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them normally. But today's not a normal episode. Today is a little off the beaten path. I am. This isn't a full what am I watching episode. This is, I was going to do another what I'm watching filler episode, but when I was looking back through what I've watched, I've only watched like two movies that I'm not going to do full episodes on. So I thought maybe it'd be fun to do something a little more, uh, I don't mean this in a mean way, but relevant, I guess, uh, on the show. I, I watched a couple movies, uh, one on HBO Max and one in the theater, and um, I'm going to talk about them. So first up, I'm going to talk about The Suicide Squad, uh, not to be confused with, I guess, just Suicide Squad. So back in 2016, David Ayer made a Suicide Squad movie, which if you don't know what that is, uh, it's like a band of like sort of villainous DC heroes, villains who are have chips put in their fucking brains and they got to go do go figure suicide missions to, uh, I don't know, just maybe sometimes they get like time off their sentences and stuff like that, but if they, you know, stray off the beaten path, Amanda Waller, who is in charge of them, will just blow their fucking brains out with the chips or whatever. And, I mean, it's a fun idea for a story. It's a, it's a, it's a series. I, I've, not, I've never read, like, a comic on it or whatever, but it also just kind of lets you have this random rotating cast of characters. And so the, the David Ayer movie, um, it's not good, but I do think people were a little harder on it than they should be and, and that's just me talking about like the critic world i think some people really like it um i liked you know i liked margot robbie's harley quinn in that movie and i thought will smith was it was just kind of fun to see will smith be a will smith character because we hadn't really seen that in a while there's moments in the movie that i think were really good especially like certain harley quinn moments i i really liked what the movie was trying to go for with her and Joker's relationship in that film and that he was like an abusive boyfriend and she was had borderline Stockholm syndrome and stuff like that. And, you know, some people I feel like thought the movie was really glorifying their relationship, but I, I really didn't take it that way when I watched it. I thought it was being pretty clear that this was toxic and the end of that movie, she chooses to run off with him. It felt like a, like a, you know, like a bad thing that that happened. Um, and she kind of had formed a bit of a friendship with especially Deadshot or whoever the fuck Will Smith is playing in the movie. And I don't know. It's got its moments. It's, it's a tro it, it's not atrocious. It is in some, in some areas it is like fully atrocious. The bad guy, it makes no sense. It's all nonsense, but I will forever love the scene where that girl turns into Enchantress. Cause I like the way the hands crawl up her arms and then take her hands and then it flips and then she's transformed. I just thought that was a cool ass scene. I don't know. David Ayer seems like a weird, complicated guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know it, but now 
uh, that was kind of a bomb. So now here, five years later, uh, they've given the reins to James Gunn, who most people know from Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Um, I was actually, I mean, not to be a, like a hipster about it or anything, but I, I've been a James Gunn fan for a while. I've always kind of had a soft spot for this. So I've had a soft spot for Dawn of the Dead, which is a Zack Snyder movie, but James Gunn wrote the script for that. Slither is one of my favorite horror comedies. I've shown it to multiple people. I watched it fairly recently for Halloween last year, I think, and I think it super holds up. I really, speaking of super, I really, really like his movie Super. I think Elliot Page is amazing in that movie, and Rain Wilson is just, I mean, it's a really good, like, lead star turn for him. And it's just like a fun, nasty, R-rated, like, gritty, street-level comedy. Uh, dark comedy, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty intense, but it's also pretty funny. And I, I think Kevin Bacon in that movie is pretty hilarious, too. I think if you guys ever listen to my Tremors episode, I do his line from that movie that I love so much where he's like, and she'll never be with you, and she'll always stay with me. You know why? Because I'm fucking interesting. I don't know why I think that's so funny, but I do. Um, so he, he gets Guardians of the Galaxy, and I mean, I, I like everyone else, was like, I, I see that movie, it's so, I guess, different from the other superhero stuff that was coming out at the time, and I, I'm, 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 of course, enthralled with it. I thought it was great. I've since kind of waned on it a little bit. Um, I, I don't really, re I think I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in theaters, but I don't remember a lick of it. I just remember that Kurt Russell's like in the movie. I probably need to watch it again. I think I think I might have watched it at a time where I was like really busy with life and was maybe super tired when I saw it. Uh, I, I need to give it another watch. I, I feel bad because as someone that grew up really liking James Gunn and his style, like I've literally watched like all of his YouTube videos that they're called PG porn. It's like parody of porn videos where it, it, it's hard to explain and it gets a little raunchy, but it's pretty like the one with Alan Tudyk is so funny. Um, and I've also even like one of my favorite video games is Lollipop Chainsaw. And he wrote the script for that. I, I'm like a kind of a James Gunn super fan, but that being said, his shtick is like kind of wearing a little thin on me. His like, Ooh, I'm so cheeky and it's funny, but dark. And it's something about it. Just, um, it doesn't ring as like false. It just is like, so tonally inconsistent that it's hard for me to get, I guess, super duper invested in his stories. And for me, the Suicide Squad, his newest film, I I wanted to care about the characters and I kind of did, but it also is just a lot of it feels so surface level. And it's hard to say that that's a criticism of the movie because like to actually talk about the film, you know, it is a very fun wild movie and it, it's really cool to see that dc clearly just was like hey james gunn you just fucking you do whatever you think you need to do and we'll stay out of your way it really feels like the vision of the artist which is just really refreshing to experience and it's a really amped up fun ride it goes like all over the place in places maybe you don't fully expect it to go but at the same time it also feels very disposable i guess to me and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I'm as someone who eats fast food and junk and shit, there's always room in life for something fun and disposable. It's just like 
I can't imagine say I'm like putting together my best films of 2021 list. I I can't imagine this one making the cut just because it's like I feel like uh, two weeks from now I'm gonna forget most of what happens in the movie and even like I don't know. So, so to get more like specific, I think the plot of this movie really does lend itself better to like what the Suicide Squad does. You have this band of misfits and they're sent on this mission and the mission makes more sense. I think for people of their skill level to be doing as opposed to whatever the fuck they were doing in the first suicide squad movie, uh, fighting a giant Egyptian monster or something. I don't even know in this, they're just supposed to go like blow up a building or something. And that makes a lot of sense. And all the characters that he chooses to kind of include, Oh, that was something that I meant to mention. I like, I really do feel like they let him do his thing because he has all the little touches that, he has things that he does in every one of his movies. He he puts his brother Sean Gunn in every single one of his movies, and he manages to squeeze him into this one. I think he... I didn't know it. Apparently, there's like a million little references in this movie that if you're like a super fan, you'll notice. But I think it, I think Sean is playing like Calendar Man or something uh, in the film. Uh, he's, just, he's just in it for two seconds. But it's like, oh, there he is. It just feels nice. Like, oh, he always manages to get that cameo in. He always puts Nathan Fillion in all of his movies who, I mean, he's great as the lead in Slither, but his, his like, uh, Jesus superhero or whatever he p- plays in uh, Super is just, it's so good. I love that James Gunn always makes sure to put him in everything. Uh, Nathan Fillion's a, a, a real treat. Uh, and so it just, it feels nice. The needle drops feel interesting. I, I will say this movie starts with Folsom Prison Blues, which I love Johnny Cash. Like, I love Johnny Cash as much as the next guy but it feels like the most on the nose choice you could ever make. But it's like, you can't be mad because it's a Johnny Cash song, but it's also like, man, Oh, we're in a prison and he's playing Folsom prison blues. I, I started this movie off on a bit of a bad note. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, Oh boy, James, like, what are we doing here? But we get introduced to Michael Rooker and again, talking about his stuff. He always brings the people he likes back. And Michael Rooker has been in a lot of his films and, it's just nice to make see that a great actor is getting good work to do still. He's he's fun in this movie, but I'm not going to do like normally on the show I do like when I'm covering a movie I do like beat by beat stuff. I'm not going to do that because these are very very new fresh movies. I think I literally think Suicide Squad hasn't even been out for a week yet, so I'm not going to spoil it. And the movie does have like it takes a major turn like 15 20 minutes into the movie, but so just as an overall blanket statement, I do, I found some of the characters pretty endearing. I liked, um, I, I, I mean, Idris Elba is great in the film. I, I mean, he, he deserves, it's like, he's like a weird case, right? Where I feel like I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Idris Elba. Everybody loves him. He's always great in everything he does. And yet he doesn't seem to be like a mega star, which he should be because he's so amazing, but he's kind of the lead in the film and I mean, he does such a great job. And so it's really nice to see him doing that. And I I liked his character. I thought they used John Cena as peacemaker well enough. It's kind of like John Cena does have good comedic timing in that, in that blockers movie that he's in. I actually think he's pretty funny in that movie. And so he, he does a good job in this film, like doing what he needs to do. I thought, uh, Daniela Melchior, uh, she's playing Ratcatcher too. She's for me maybe the well. It's tough to say because 
I, I think she's probably my favorite character in the film. I don't know if she's the scene stealer. She's definitely my favorite, though, in terms of the characters. But you've also got Sylvester Stallone as King Shark, and he's really good. The King Shark character. And even the CGI. He's so clearly CGI, but he's like lit well enough that it doesn't look like shit. And then you've also got uh, David DeSmolchin as Polka Dot Man, who, if you've listened to like one of my What Am I Watching, I talked about dying in a gunfight and Colin Shipley, uh, who is a good friend of David DeSmolchin's. David DeSmolchin's awesome. He's on the rise and he deserves it. He's, in, he's getting bigger and bigger movies. He's so good in this movie as like the deadpan, depressed Polka Dot Man. He's great. I mean, he's always a joy to see in anything he shows up in and seeing him in such a big blockbuster movie just feels really good. And I, I, I'd say the one of the weirdly, the weaker parts of the film for me was Margot Robbie, who I I've, I've always enjoyed her Harley Quinn character. Like I said, I really liked her in suicide squad, but I, I, I don't know. She, she, her, her plots in the film were just a little all over the place. It kind of felt a little bit like James Gunn didn't super know how to write her fully the right way she just didn't feel something felt off and i i really have trouble putting my finger on it um she has like a couple fun moments where like one of them's in the trailer where it's like there's like a rescue or whatever and then she shows up kind of randomly and they're like what the hell are you doing here and she's all like whoa but she doesn't get a ton it, it, it seems like it, the movie acts like she gets a bunch to do but when you really break it down it she doesn't really do too much and just her dialogue was a little weird and it just felt a little off and I'm not really sure why. And she's a character I normally like. If you, if you guys listen to my tank girl episode, my friend, Andrew, he clearly had a big ax to grind when it came to birds of prey, but I don't really blame him because that movie is so terrible. And, but I, I still found her fine in that film. It was just like kind of everything else around it just wasn't working at all. Um, but she was fine. But in this movie, I, th I thought she was a little bit weak. I still like her character. I, I like Margot Robbie's. I, I like her Harley Quinn. I just think I, I, it felt like something was a little off in the script. Um, like personally, maybe this is a little sacrilegious to say, but I found her emotional journey in Air's Suicide Squad from 2016 to be more compelling than what they do in this film. It's more like she's just kind of around and being fun, which is fine. But yeah, it just almost was like she could have fully not been in the movie. I don't think the movie would have felt that much different without her. And having her in it almost felt like we should, because she's such a big character, you almost expect her to get more focus. And she just was kind of around. I don't know. It's hard to say. She she has like a whole solo sequence, and it's it's really interesting. It's not well. It's not really interesting. It's like there's like all this build up, and then there's like kind of a payoff, and you're like, oh, that's kind of funny, and then. She has like a big action scene and it's pretty good, but yeah, it just always felt a little off. Just everything about this movie just felt like really, it just felt a little inconsistent, but it was a really fun watch. And in my review, I, on Letterboxd, I, I gave it a 3.5 out of five. So take that for what you will. And I said, everybody seems like they had fun and they played a K-Flay song. Uh, K-Flay is a artist, a music artist that I really, really like. Uh, they're in a bar at one point and I was like, holy shit, is this K-Play? And then it got more into the song and I was like, oh, holy shit, it is. So props to the good taste on that. James Gunn, I mean, he's probably pretty high up there in terms of people who know how to use needle drops effectively and well. 
it's not as all over the place and everything felt pretty appropriate and like fun as opposed to sometimes films will just have like needle drops in it it's almost like they're trying to cover up how bad portions are red letter media dropped a review of the suicide squad recently and they compared the needle drops from the original suicide squad and and this one and i i definitely agree with them and that gun is using them way better and way more effectively in this film I, i tend to find too many needle drops to be a little distracting like your edgar wright films and stuff like that or even birds of prey where it feels like there's a song every fucking two minutes but you can do it right too you can have stuff like tank girl or or this movie and it feels perfectly fine and it works and it i think it just comes down to feeling like certain directors envision the scene with the song and sometimes other directors it almost feels like they just slapped a song on top of it because they're like isn't this fun this is wacky and fun check out how fun this song is like sometimes people use music too much as a crutch and less of like to accentuate if that makes sense uh but I, I think he's accentuating more in this film other than the Folsom Prison Blues weird on the nose needle job. That one's a little weird. Uh but yeah, I, I think it's a fun movie. And if if you like the superhero stuff, the slightly anti hero thing, even if maybe you were a little bit disappointed with the original Suicide Squad, I can't imagine you'd have a bad time checking this one out. It feels very inoffensive for sure. I I, I find it hard to imagine people like hating this movie or or feeling like really like their time was wasted because i don't think this is a terribly long film either it's just like it's to the point it's it knows what it wants to do and it does it and it's 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 enjoyable to watch and i guess it is like two hours long jesus it, it kind of flew though um i felt like yeah i don't know I, everybody just seemed like they're having fun it's just a fun movie uh <laughs> my voice just fully cracked there interesting <laughs> but yeah I gave it a 3.5 on Letterboxd. Make that make of that what you will. Um, I recommend checking it out. I will say, if I had gone with friends to a theater, that would have been fun. But I watched it on my phone on HBO Max. I watched it on my fucking phone. Sorry, David Lynch. Uh, but that felt like a very appropriate way to watch it. Just laying in bed on HBO Max watching it. I was like, this is probably a perfectly fine way to experience this movie. If I had been with a group of friends in in a theater, that could have been fun. It is like, I will say there is a lot of comedy in the film. So maybe being with people who will maybe laugh, that could definitely heighten the experience for sure. And some of the violence is so over the top and shocking that maybe experiencing that with a crowd or at least with your friends could sort of like make it a bit funner. But either way, I would recommend checking it out. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth supporting too. Like just support films, even though Gun is working under a big ass brand and franchise, they clearly let him do what he wanted to do, and we should definitely support that. So yeah, check it out if you want. I recommend it. But yeah, we're gonna move on to the other film I watched recently, The Green Knight. So I really didn't know much about the subject matter of this film going in, and so having said that. I still found the movie pretty, I mean, the movie itself is not super easy to follow, but I didn't feel super confused by by the film or anything like that. But I think what's something that is fun to know going into the movie is the Green Knight is based on an Arthurian legend or however the hell you say that. It's a story about Sir Gawain, who 
was a knight in King Arthur's court and the movie doesn't really hold your hand as far as that stuff goes. Like, I think it's worth noting that the king in the movie is meant to be King Arthur. His wife is meant to be Guinevere. The sword that he has is meant to be Excalibur. There's a guy sitting at the table with like drawings on his face who is supposed to be Merlin. The movie does not tell you any of these things and you don't necessarily need to know them, but it, it's just a fun little thing where after the fact I was watching a couple of videos on it and I was like, oh shit, that was Merlin? Holy shit. I, I, I don't know if I agree with this take, but some people think that Gawain's mother in the film is Morgan Le Fay. I don't know if that's like a canon thing in Arthurian legend. I don't think it is. Although I guess maybe she, she was related to King Arthur and since Gawain is King Arthur's nephew, maybe, maybe, maybe that was the case. But yeah, I don't want to spoil too much about the film. I don't necessarily know what all I could spoil because this is a really interesting esoteric movie, very slow burn type of thing. And I, I do think that I think I'll tee up a little bit of like what it's about because in this movie is take, it takes a few liberties with the classic literature, which is like hard to say because from what I've read, the poem that this is like sort of based on Sir Gawain and the green Knight, I, I think some of it has been like lost to time so people don't even know what it was like originally about. I, I might be wildly off base as far as this goes. I did like a very minimal amount of research because I wanted to see what the original story was and how it wrapped up and stuff. And what's interesting is this does follow a lot of beats of that story, but it takes a couple of liberties. And then the ending, apparently the poem versus what they do with this film is, is different. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into that because if you know the poem, then you might if I say it's different then that might clue you in on some things. So I'm not going to say much more than that. Cause I do think the ending is easily one of the strongest parts of the film. I'll just say right off the bat that I really like this film. It definitely has stuck with me. I even just walking out of the theater, I was having that experience of when I watched something really good, where I was just turning it over in my mind over and over and looking at different angles and, I've engaged now in like multiple conversations about the film because I think there's so many different ways you can take it. And I think the film can also sort of be about what you want it to be about. Like if you think it's a meditation on death, I think you can absolutely read the film that way. If you think it's a meditation on what it is to be like a good person, it's also got that. But if you also think it's kind of, I think it's also kind of a weird critique of like what even is honor and does it even really matter and stuff like that? Because the original story is very much about Gawain maintaining his honor and earning it and, and learning humility and stuff like that. And so one of the bigger liberties that the film takes is that uh, Dev Patel's playing Gawain and he is not a knight when this movie first starts. He's like hoping maybe to become a knight, but he also seems sort of like mad that it'll probably only happen just because of nepotism. It's not because he's done anything good. It's just because He's King Arthur's nephew, so he gets like treated kind of special, but he's kind of like a, he's like kind of a, he seems like a younger kid. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the film, but Dev Patel looks pretty young. And I mean, he spends his nights like hanging out at a brothel, hanging out with this girl that he sees. Uh, I think her name is Essel in the movie. She's played by Alicia Vikander, who was in the, I only really know her from like the Tomb Raider movie and I think she's the ex machina gal. 
Yeah, she is. Oh, Man from Uncle, too. Oh, she's so good in that. She's a great actor. I really like her, actually. Uh, and Joel Edgerton is in the movie, too. He plays a pretty big role. Uh, although he doesn't show up to like the tail end of the movie. And then he shows up and I was like, holy fuck, it's Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton's very, very versatile actor, I think. He's really good. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, The Gift, that's a pretty fascinating movie. And, and if you like... Uh, if you like Jason Bateman at all, but you want to see him do something a little different, I definitely recommend The Gift. But it's definitely the Dev Patel show, for sure. In this film, I mean this this is this is all he's he's it's all about him for the most part. It's about his journey. Um, while I'm shouting out actors, though, I'm going to shout out uh, Barry Keegan. He uh, he's I mostly know him from uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer as the scariest boy ever, but. He shows up in this movie for a little bit and he's just so that kid is something else, man. He, he seems so young, but he's so fucking terrifying and threatening. Uh, he's wild. I I love him. I love him in sacred deer, especially that spaghetti scene. If if people have seen it, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, and he's also got my favorite line from that movie where he's like, don't you get it? It's a metaphor. It's like, oh man, not going to start talking about sacred deer though. We're focusing on the green Knight. Deb Patel, he's he's not really on a good path. He like I don't necessarily I'm like, hey man, if he wants to live it up drinking and partying and hanging out with his sexy girlfriend, I don't really blame him, but his mom seems disappointed in him. And he always hanging out with King Arthur on like Christmas Eve or whatever. And there's like this really intense scene where King Arthur's like, Hey, why don't you like tell me a story of something cool you did? And Deb Patel's like Fully got tears in his eyes, like really intense acting performance where he's just kind of like, I got nothing for you, uncle. I have not lived a, a life worth telling. And so right off the bat, we're sort of establishing that he doesn't feel like he's worthy. Like they ask him to look around the room and what he sees. And he has this line where he just sees, he just says legends. And so he's like jealous, you know, of these knights and their uh, glory or whatever. But and hopefully this isn't too spoilery. If you either know like the legend of what happens, or if you've seen the trailer, you see this big tree man in most of the trailers and like the images of the movie. And if you don't know what that's all about, what happens is the titular green knight shows up at this party and lays down a challenge. He says like, if anybody can score a blow on me, they'll win this awesome magic ax from me. But a year from now, I will return whatever blow you land on me. And so everyone's like kind of too chicken shit to fight him. And it seems like maybe Arthur is going to fight him. And then Gawain steps up and he's like, you know what? I'll fight him. And Arthur gives Gawain Excalibur. I'll say skip ahead a couple minutes. If you want to go into this movie, super duper without any spoilers. Um, I just, I think this is fun to talk about because I really like the way this movie starts. And this is really sets off the whole journey here. And I don't think this scene can really be spoiled because it's so it, it even if you know what's going to happen it's still really fun to watch the way they do it but spoilers for like the next minute I'm sorry uh just like hit that little fast forward button but what happens is Arthur gives Gawain Excalibur they go to fight and instead of fighting the green knight like throws his axe down and presents his neck and he just basically is like well and everyone seems to realize this is a terrible idea but Gawain just goes okay runs up and fucking chops this dude's head off. And I don't know if he like it's 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 never really explained, and I like that they don't explain it, but you know, he's he's foolish to do this. I think maybe 
he thinks, oh, I'll slay this guy and the game will just be over. But he cuts this dude's head off and then the guy fucking gets up off the floor and picks his own head up and just starts laughing and is like, see you in a year, bitch, and walks out. And then Gawain's just like, oh, fuck. So essentially you understand that a year from now, Gawain is meant to go to the Green Chapel where the Green Knight will presumably fucking chop his head off. And so, and we just flash forward a year. And so I'll say the spoilers end about here. Uh, I'm not going to get too specific after that, but the rest of the film is just his journey and it's really gorgeously shot. I, I've not really seen anything else the director's done, David Lowry. I recognize a couple of his films. I know his movie, A Ghost Story, is very well regarded. After watching this, I'll definitely check it out because he's got a really interesting voice and style. But I, I, I love the way this movie looks. I love the journey. Just You can't really go wrong with just beautiful landscapes with like a guy with a sword or an axe just kind of walking around. I talked about it when I talked about that Balin's Root YouTube movie that I watched from the Viva La Dirt League people just like get a pretty vista and have a guy march around with some epic music or in this movie it's a little more dour but it just looks cool and it's interesting and what I liked the most about this film was just that it felt like such a classic hero's journey film in a way that wasn't super ham-fisted it just was like this guy is literally on a journey and he meets interesting people and sort of faces like weird trials and it felt like i was talking to my friends in the parking lot afterwards and i was like this movie feels like what it felt like when i was younger and reading like a like an old book about like king arthur stuff because that stuff used to not be so it wasn't all just like one thing after the other it was very much like it was all and it reminded me a little bit of like reading the bible in a weird way too where it's almost like dream logic where it's like this thing happens and then they talk about what happens. And then it just kind of cuts to, okay, this next event happens. And, and even reading up on the poem, the stuff, the poem mostly just focuses on the, the manner that he ends up at the end and not so much this other stuff. But it's weird because each thing feels like individual and like its own th separate, almost like tiny little mini story. But it all does serve the larger narrative of like him learning to maybe not be such a selfish coward as he goes on this journey and uh, just being taught lessons really. And, and he doesn't succeed most of the time each little, but each little encounter feels very distinct for me. Like one of the first things that happens is he meets Barry Keegan's character. And I'm not going to say more than that, but that whole encounter feels really distinct in my memory. And I, I, and even the way it's shot and some of the choices they make and the choices that he, he makes as a character, you're just like, Oh shit, you fucked up dude. And then, after that, he like encounters this woman in a cabin and that whole sequence is fascinating and fun to watch. And from there he meets like this fox and then there's giants and he eats a mushroom and the whole thing feels like psychedelic. The whole movie feels like a psychedelic trip in like a really good way. And then he ends up at this manor and there's all these little things that happen at the manor. And the lady of the manor is also played by Alicia Vikander, who is the woman that he saw back home that he was that he's in love with maybe in love with but so there's like this it's like what is what's going on why is it the same actor is this just his vision and he has all these trials at the at the manor that he has to deal with and eventually you know he you know gets to the last part of his journey and that whole bit is just it's just fascinating i i, I really like when i went to go see this movie i was like super sleepy 
and uh, my my sleep schedule has been completely out of whack. And there was multiple moments where I started to kind of drift off because this is a very like slow paced movie, just a lot more like you vibing with the movie and kind of riding with it. But I, I don't think I ever fully nodded off because every time I my sleepiness like overcame me, and I, I'm saying that because I wasn't bored or anything. I just was exhausted by the time I got to the theater because I'd only gotten like a couple hours of sleep. It kept every scene, a certain a scene would happen. I would kind of just really perk up and be really invested in what was going to happen. And so I felt like the movies, even though it's a lot of him just traipsing around and walking around in different lands and stuff, somehow the pace feels really good, even though it is a very slow movie. I just never fully fell out of it. And like I said, it's gorgeous. And I really think that the themes that it's meditating on are really good and really well done. And I really like the subtlety of the film. It's not holding your hand. It it lets you take what you want to take from it. And like I said, you can see it as a parable about being an honorable man. I mean, it just it could be about life or death or, you know, love or not embracing something because you have a perception to, to keep up. A, a people perceive you a certain way, so you need to keep up this deceit. Like, there's a lot of stuff about, oh... People know who he, everywhere he goes, people know who he is because of his whole thing that he did with the Green Knight. And so he's got that and it ties into his relationship with Essel because she's of a lower status and it's kind of like, oh, well, can he really be with her because she's low status and he's high status and he wrestles with that. I found the Essel character to be one of the more fascinating things. I I got a little bit of pushback describing it this way, but I've seen other people do it and I agree I see a lot of parallels between this film and, and Blade Runner 2049, which Blade Runner 2049 is like quickly becoming a, a favorite of mine. I, I think of that movie so fondly and I've watched it a couple times now. And I just, I don't know. I, I really like Gosling's character. I really love the joy character. I just, and I, I see a lot of parallels between the joy character and the Essel character in this film and, and, and Dev Patel's character and, Gosling's character too, just these mostly stoic, silent men on these journeys of like self-discovery, essentially, even though they're wrapped up in other plot details, it really is just about them kind of figuring out who they are. And, you know, like there's a line late in the movie where one character says, is this really all there is? And the other character just kind of coyly responds, what else did you expect? And for me, that moment really hammered home i was like oh so this is like kind of a meditation on death where it's like you're expecting something more grandiose but when you're faced with the reality of the situation maybe it's just not everything you hoped or dreamed it would be and you kind of have to confront that and i i, I like that i like kind of dealing with that theme i don't necessarily like the <laughs> i don't necessarily like the reality of that but i like that someone is is trying to tackle it and I don't know. I think this movie's got a lot of depth. I think it's got a lot of layers. It's very subtle. It could be very frustrating for some people. It could be too slow for some people. But I think if you give it your attention and you give it some time and maybe even do like a little side reading like I did where I read up on the story and I read up on a couple other things and watched a couple of videos that were trying to explain what was going on so I could watch them kind of take in their interpretation and put that beside my own and sort of parse through that. I think it's a very rewarding film and it's not for everybody. If you're expecting Lord of the Rings 
You are not getting Lord of the Rings. There's not a single fucking action scene in this entire film. You think that he's going to fight the Green Knight. He doesn't. There's no action in the film. Don't expect a sword fight. You won't get one. It's not about that. It's about a lot more. It just, But it still feels like a medieval fantasy movie, which I'm always just in the mood for, always jonesing for a good medieval fantasy. And so, uh, I don't know. This, this didn't scratch my itch of wanting to see swords and magic being flung around, but it's still a very good movie, and I love the setting, and it really made me appreciate what you can do with that kind of stuff still. It's like such a different take on this kind of subject matter that I really wouldn't expect. And I think it, I mean, I read an article that David Lowry pretty much had like a mental breakdown trying to finish this film and considered quitting altogether. And I'm I'm glad he saw it through. And I really think he should be proud of what he's done here. And thankfully, I think it's being very well received critically. I was talking to one of my coworkers about it and he was laughing about how the Rotten Tomatoes score is so high, but the audience score is so low. And I just was like, yeah, I mean, I don't blame certain audience people for not loving it. It's not for everybody. I mean, if you see A24 on a movie, you you kind of know what you're get, what you're in for. It's going to be slow and more cerebral maybe than just a fun sword and sandals or sword and magic and dragons and shit. You're you're not going to get that here. This is this is like a meditation about who you are as a person while a guy walks around and does stuff and it's it's a weird fucking movie but i i really enjoyed it i I love a big swing and sometimes you connect and it's weird because it's like if you if i'm using baseball metaphors here a home run is a home run but when it comes to movies a home run for some people could be uh fucking what do you call it when it's out of bounds in baseball a foul ball Uh, a home run for some is a foul ball for others i think that's certainly the case here this is a movie some people would hate and some people will love, which makes it hard for me to say. I don't know if I necessarily recommend it. I think you just, if you've listened to me talk about it and, and you understand it's a slow burn, thought-provoking movie that is asking you to to give it your all to sort of appreciate what's going on and, and do your own interpretations of what's happening. I, I think you'll be really rewarded by it. I, I think Dev Patel is fantastic in it. Alicia Van Cantor is so good in it. Um, the performances I think are really solid. Uh, I think it is like a really good movie. It's just maybe not for everybody. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. I, I think maybe it'll probably stay at a four for now. I'll be curious. I'm very excited to get to my 2021 best of list because this will be a movie I have to consider, especially as of right now. This is easily one of the better movies I've seen this year. I don't know if that'll change if it'll fall down the list, but I could also see this being a movie. This is like such a vibe movie, man. I I could I could see buying this movie and just like throwing it on in the background. This this movie feels a lot like how Queen and Slim was to me a couple years ago where at first I was kind of like, "Oh, there were some issues with it, but I really like the vibe of it." And then it just grew and grew and grew on me and like I feel like Queen and such a weird comparison, but like Queen and Slim, The Green Knight, I would love to have these movies like on at a bar while I'm having a drink, just on the TV in the background. And I'm not saying that not, they're not movies that aren't worth being super paid close attention to, but they also just are very pretty and fun to look at. Um, and they're movies I would love to own and have on my shelf. Just I could see them easily becoming, uh, if you've listened to the show enough, my infamous go to sleep movie. Uh, I love to have a film on when I go to sleep. 
and this would easily be one that would be good to have uh, on there. Um, I hope more people check it out and give it love. I'm sorry if it's not up your alley, but I recommend it. I think it's good. But yeah, I guess that's about all I have to say about it. Um, Dev Patel, awesome. Lowry, awesome. Vikander, awesome. Edgerton, good stuff. Whoever the hell's playing the Green Knight. Oh, oh yeah, I guess that's another thing worth mentioning. Last thing for the Green Knight. Um, there are some effects in it. And some of the CGI is, is a little rough. The fox is a little tough, but it also seemed like they tried to do as much practical as they could. And it feels like I nothing ever took me out of the movie. It all looks really solid for the most part. I don't know. Just, just very, very strong voice Lowry has. Like He's making some really bold choices in this film. And again, I just appreciate uh, someone doing what they want to do. This definitely doesn't feel like a film that a studio was like, oh, you need to make it like this. Like, I don't even know how a studio would even begin to approach something like this. Like, if this was under a bigger studio, they would have demanded, like, sword fights and magic and shit. And like I said, there's not a single goddamn fight in this entire movie. So, yeah. Very weird, very interesting. Um, I hope you guys check it out and like it. Uh, yell at me if you don't. Yell at me if you think I'm crazy and the Suicide Squad is terrible, too. But yeah, they're, I, for me, I'm... Couple, a pretty solid couple days of movie watching. I, I'm I'm glad I watched them. Movies are movies are fun. Movies are good. <laughs> support them. Uh, and if you want to support me, uh, I don't know. Listen to the show. Go to my YouTube channel, Jake Ryan Baker. Give some of my stuff some views. Toss me a subscribe. Whatever you want to do. Um, I just appreciate all of you out there that listen week to week. You're, it makes doing this not feel pointless, which is nice. <laughs> It's nice to do things that don't feel pointless. Um, but hey, I'm just going to wrap it up right there. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, sorry if, if you legitimately tune into the show because you want to see me cover classic movies and me covering new releases is like, whoa, what the fuck? I don't like this. Uh, it probably won't be a very frequent thing. I also don't want the pressure of feeling like I have to cover new movies, but it was just kind of fun to give my thoughts on a couple things I watched recently that were pretty good. Uh, so I did. And here we are. And here you are at the end of the show. I love you guys so much. And as always, I will catch you on the flip flop later. Bye guys.